Hi, I'm Dan Lindstedt. Welcome to the podcast for Unlocking the Data Vault. Today, uh, we've got our business partner, Sanjay Pandey, and myself on the podcast for you. Hey, Sanjay, uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Hi, Dan. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sanjay Pandey, as Dan stated. I work, I've worked with Dan for a long time. Uh, I'm one of the authorized instructors at uh, Data Vault Alliance. Been working on Data Vaults for a long time. So let's continue with what was going on with you and Cindy last week. I think you guys were going to talk about models this time. One thing that struck me, Dan, is everybody totally focuses on models. But when we say modeling in the industry, they just people assume it's automatically just the tabular constructs like relational databases. But there are so many different types of models. When we talk about data vault models, can we get into, you know, we have people, process, and technology models in the data vault 2.0 construct. If you can elaborate a little bit on those. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a number of different kinds of models, just like in the real world. You've got a blueprint for houses, for high rises, a different kind of blueprint, but you still have a blueprint for building structures. You probably have an electrical design, which is a different kind of model. You've got a plumbing design, which is a different kind of model. And then for automobiles, you've got a CAD design. So there's all kinds of different models for different purposes. Well, the same thing applies in the data vault landscape and in the data vault world as well. We've got different kinds of models. As you mentioned, people, process, and technology models. But the biggest thing is these models, they need to work together. So they've got to be able to come together to solve a problem from a solutions perspective. And this is what people miss. They hear this term data vault and immediately they jump to this thing called a data model. Well, a data model is only one representation of the world. You've got in information or data engineering or information engineering, you've got a lot of different kinds of models. You've got a conceptual model. You've got a business model, right? The business model can represent all kinds of different things from operational systems to business constructs, to business concepts, to business ideas, to business processes. So there's a whole bunch of underlying models, depends on what level of granularity you're trying to convey to somebody. A model is a graphical representation of an organization of something. When you talk about modeling, you're talking about how do I organize my system, my design, my data? How do I group it together? How do I put the relationships there and make one concept related to another? And real world example there, everybody I think who's listening knows what an automobile is. The automobile has a vehicle identification number. But as soon as I say automobile, that is one place in a concept or a logical model design in one particular granularity. Whereas if I back it out a few steps to a larger thing, I could say the term motorized vehicle. And motorized vehicle all of a sudden brings in airplanes, buses, trains, boats, all kinds of different motorized type of things. Heck, even electrical bicycles these days are motorized vehicles. So anything with a motor that is considered a vehicle fits in that classification or that ontology. When you start to look at the data set, you need to be able to identify data underneath, pull that data back to the model and attach it to, well, the data model. But it's bigger than that. You've got to be able to also identify it and attach it to the business process that moves that data through actual use cases and applies it to outcomes in the business that make sense.
this is sort of where models take off. And there's a big, long discussion about information versus data and information engineering and data engineering. But the data vault being a solution has many of these components already there. It's way more than just a, quote, data model. We'd like to talk a little bit about rework as well and try to figure out what's going on with rework. And you've been in some situations where you've worked with Data Vault, not just the model itself, but the solutions and and recognize the capabilities of rework. What are your thoughts and insights on that? I'm going to go back on why the impacts are so big, because I worked on models that are not Data Vault as well. And I've done production maintenance uh, which is something that a lot of people, you know, they build and go away. They don't really have to suffer from the production maintenance things. And I'm going to tell you about a situation where we had what is called a conformed dimension. It was an accounts dimension, which was built over 20 years, you know, seven companies and 20 different applications. And you can imagine over a period of time, how much conformity was required. And this is just from the source applications. And then from the departments you need to go to, we had what is called a partial RAM failure. If you have a full RAM failure, what happens is the system crashes. A partial RAM failure is something where the system didn't recognize that the RAM was failed and our loading continued. So the business is getting all this data and it took them three days to realize that they're actually getting garbage. Three days worth of garbage, which was timelined in a slowly changing type two dimension, which we had to go back and clean up and reapply. This is not an easy task and it's not a fun task for anyone. It's not something people are prepared for. I'm actually glad that in the, in the CDBP2 we teach about uh, situations of how to clean up data because those are real life situations. So one of the things that really hit me initially when I looked at the model is the isolation levels and i'm talking of the data model side so that is one is the isolation levels because one of the things that data vault does have built into its design is if something does fail it doesn't impact other things if something has to be redesigned it doesn't impact other things if something has to be added or modified it has very minimal impact on other aspects which minimizes things like testing and other impacts which make it more complicated to add artifacts to any solution to, to build out any solution and this dramatically reduced costs for the business anyway so that's from the technical side from the people modeling side it is one of those uh, aspects that people don't uh, pay attention to is i think data vault is the only practical way where you can scale a team both up and down i don't see how you can do that on any other way of building and again that is because of how it's designed so those are two things that I, I would directly say that are big, big impacts. And I think they're really, really beneficial for anybody building out any analytic solution. They can learn from that. So I'm, I'm going to move on to the data modeling aspects where, again, we started talking about people being limited to tabular, but the world has changed over the last 10 years. We've seen so many different types of storage constructs. And even in the original definition of what is called the data warehouse, there's no mention of structure. You know, we have this multi-structured sets that are today of different types which include semi-structured data like xml and json and we have these actual unstructured sets like audio and maybe you know images and facial recognition and all this tying all this all of this together people don't really consider this in their modeling and they don't think about how they have to tie all of this together so this is something where i think i'd like some of your inputs on on what do you think about this new evolution from that perspective People say, oh, look, multi-structure is new or semi-structure is new or unstructured is new and not really. 
all that's happened is that data has been around since the dawn of machines. I remember at Lockheed in the 90s working with images and extracting text from images to put in our warehouse. So I've been working with this data set for a long time. I remember when XML first came out, we had to extract data from XML. And before that, we were extracting data from HTML that people sent us. Word docs, well, at Lockheed, again, we had contracts and Word documents that we had to pull business keys from, all kinds of things. So what really has changed is the technology, the ability for technology and data management solutions or systems or platforms, whatever label you want to throw at it, they've improved. The algorithms that used to be printed in books that you had to type in and maneuver or manipulate to your use case are now fully available and embedded in these platforms. So you just call them as, quote, API functions, or better yet, you call a, a complete hosted SaaS solution through an API for image processing. I mean, Google's got it, Amazon's got it, all these other large corporations, they provide these capabilities for you to parse and to extract and to pull metadata and all of that. So it's been around a long time. What I want to say is that the Data Vault solution has accommodated for that in its architecture, in its design, in its engineering. I mean, I remember working with System Sybase System 5 and Oracle 2 and, and, and all these other things. They were highly row-column-based row uh, storage. I remember when Sybase IQ came out, all of a sudden, look, there's columnar, but they had a limit of a thousand columns and a limit of a certain number of rows because they tried to put everything in RAM. And there was a, a lot of engineering that had to be done in the Data Vault solution to work within the parameters. Fast forward to today, and what do we have from a modeling perspective? At a business level, we now have tools like Ellie, which is fantastic. And we can do business and concept and, and logical modeling in Ellie, export a lot of that stuff uh, as an accelerator, which we used to call case tools, and put that in data warehousing tools that follow the standards or automation tools. Today, we have the capabilities of putting data vault solutions on uh, graph-based modeling systems or things like Postgres, or we've got MongoDB, we've got a data vault on MongoDB. And I, I heard recently on LinkedIn from some folks who you know said, well, data vault is all about physical and it's all about how you physically model your data. And that's just so wrong. The data vault is all about the business all about how you model your business and how you tie your data as an asset to the business, to the business processes, to the people, to the outcomes, to the concepts, to the constructs. And of course, I'm referring to taxonomies and ontologies. And if you look at a graph-based data management system, the graph-based data management systems love this stuff because if you go with a taxonomy ontology, otherwise known as a poor man's hierarchy with relationships associations, uh, you can pretty much build your solution in a graph-based database. And we have some data vaults that have been built there before. Neo4j is a, a popular one that's out there. The data vault was designed so that we could build big systems with a small team. Again, I, I hate to keep talking about Lockheed, but over 10 years of research and design and 30,000 test cases ranging from agility, which we called lean initiatives and cycle time reduction back then in the 90s. Uh, these days it's agile, right? And we've incorporated discipline agile delivery. For over 10 years of research and design, you tend to collect a lot of metrics and a lot of measurements about the solution you're building. And you tend to refine or be able to refine your designs and your processes and everything that you're doing 
including your ways of working and your modeling. But one of the requirements that was given to us came from the Department of Defense and the National Security Agency or the NSA. And by the way, we supported NASA and its launches. And that's sort of how that got worked into these requirements. But one of the requirements was we, the DOD, need to inherit everything you've done. That was the first requirement. The second requirement was we, uh, the DOD, on classified systems need to be able to extend what you've built without rebuilding core foundation of what you've built in the commercial side or the low side or the unclassified side. And then the third requirement came, and this was the kicker. When you, in the commercial side, do a modification, build a mod, add a mod, do a change, we need to be able to inherit those changes or those modifications with zero or near zero impact to any of the extensions we've done on the classified or the high side. And this speaks directly to the re-engineering problem that data engineering and process engineering have throughout the world today and have had for years and years and years. It speaks to breaking the dependency chains. You can't just break the dependency chain in the data itself. You have to break the dependency chain in the process. You have to break the dependency chain in the arrival times of the data and in the design, in the outcomes. So there's all these buffers or all these, I won't say barriers, but rather intentionally designed paddings around the sides of how you build your solution that lead you to how do I do this in such a way that re-engineering is minimized because otherwise we wouldn't have met the DOD goals. And this is fundamentally at the heart of the people, the process, and the technology that we apply in this solution called Data Vault. It's what makes it modular. It's also what makes it rigorous in the standards, right? It's okay to say, look, I've got standards. We're going to follow them and everything is great. Oh, look, I'm going to break the standard over here because I've got a conditional design. You don't want that. Conditional design is the first thing that leads to re-engineering because as soon as you get to conditional design, all of a sudden, before you know it, that case doesn't exist anymore. That case changes and it impacts something else upstream. And then you have to go back and re-engineer what you just built in order to handle the one condition, the one design change that you made outside of the standard. So this is so much more than just the modeling components, but to bring it back down to the modeling components, which is the focus here. And again, I want to remind you, it's not just data modeling here. I'm talking about concept modeling, process modeling, business modeling, the flow of data through the system, the outcomes that come out the other end. How do you avoid re-engineering? How do you ramp up? And, and in case of people, people say, well, the listeners might say, well, what's what's people engineering? That's the ability to ramp up a new team member or bring a team member on board and have them hit the ground running almost immediately. And the only way you can do that is if everyone is using or utilizing the same shared standards. And the only knowledge gap that the individual has when you bring them onto the team is what is the context you're working with? And that takes about 15 minutes to explain. Once you do that, and once you follow the standards, you can build this modular design, you can continue adding on to it. And when there is rework, it is isolated and encapsulated in terms of scope. It doesn't fan out and cascade across your entire system because of one single change. So you have to have this idea that a change is encapsulated in a single area if there is any impact across the board. That's how rework works. And Sanjay, you've got some experience on this. Do you have any, any thought on what you've seen and what you've experienced? 
There are two things I would really like to touch upon. Getting back to the whole modeling thing is change in the modeling. The one thing I want to talk about is growing volumes and how remodeling impacts things like reloading and retesting. And then the other thing I do want to talk about is on the uh, certification of your team. How much data modeling actually is part of the entire solution? Because I believe that's like under 20%, honestly, in terms of the entire solution. The data volumes are growing. This is known. And this is something you have talked about at length, whether it was at the WWDVC, whether it was at your trainings. Data volumes are just going to grow and there will be a breaking point. Technology keeps catching up, but there's always a breaking point after which it's just not practical. Things would just start taking more time. And that's why we have all these new concepts coming up with distributed architectures and everything, where they want to handle small bits at a time. But there is a breaking point and there is a point after which moving data from one structure to another structure just won't be feasible. So that is one of the aspects that people don't take into account. The other thing I, I did want to talk about is on the practitioner, Datable 2.0 practitioner course for what we call CDVP2, which is the authorized credential from DVA. The course is a 24 hours worth of live instructor training to whoever the student is. And then there is at least a day's worth of implementation uh, templates, which they can use. And then there's at least a day's worth of videos, the pre-videos that they have to watch, which brings them up on Agile. Uh, in my opinion, about five full days worth of training content. And out of that, I don't believe that the data modeling aspects is more than half a day. That, I think, is less than 20%. It's actually close to 10% when we talk about it, right? When people say Data Vault is just about modeling and they're referring to only data modeling, I mean, I find it really funny. It's, it's not just modeling. It's an entire solution. It gives you everything end-to-end, -end, including loading templates and extraction templates and um, how to deal with the business and how to look at data as an asset, how to tie your business processes to your business keys, how to unify your business keys across the enterprise, how to build what I call a poor man's MDM because you need it for a data vault. So th those kind of things, I think people are missing the boat if they think data vault is just about data modeling. It's not just that there's so much more to it. And, and I, I'm just scratching the surface. I haven't even talked about dealing with corrupted set and so many other optimizations, golden rules, and there's so many other things to it. So that's, I think, from a modeling perspective, mainly people process technology, all models across the enterprise. I love the fact that you said we start with business concepts and move on to ontologies and taxonomies. Ontologies and taxonomies are something businesses actually do understand. And that's where the interface with the business is so, so important. I would like you to talk a little bit about taxonomies and ontologies and the interface with the business before we end this. We got a couple of things to address uh, in rapid fashion. I feel like there's another podcast topic on taxonomies and ontologies and business concept modeling uh, that we should be doing. And definitely we'll add that to the list for all you listeners. Yeah, we definitely focus on the business modeling. Business is the most important thing for Data Vault solutions. It just is. It is, it, it was, and it always will be. Without the business, without customers, you know, what's the point of building any system that tracks this stuff or solution? You got to have customers and you got to have a business or you got to have something that you're tracking in order to provide meaningful analytics. So anyone that says, well, I'm building a data warehouse for data warehouse sake is solving a problem that isn't really there. You really need to focus on business requirements and use case. The, the taxonomies and ontologies are key. And one of the things that a data vault solution makes a point of is to really define what a business key is and how it fits inside of a taxonomy or an ontology. Taxonomies and ontologies, you may think they're similar, but they're not the same. 
Okay. They, they are different. They're not mutually exclusive either. You can have both and you can leverage both in different ways. And so it's important to understand how that works. But the biggest thing is we talk about data as an asset. Well, if you can't measure your data, if you can't watch your data flow through your business processes, what good is your data at all? I'll give a concept there for you. In terms of flowing the data, at Lockheed Martin, they tracked the builds of rockets. So it was fine to have a contract number on paper. The paper piece was all the logistics and the legal and, and how and what the charges were going to be and everything else. The rocket number itself, what we call the tail number, which was assigned to the entire rocket, was the thing that we actually launched into space, the physical item in the real world. We had to track the manufacturing of that physical item through the entire manufacturing process from design to contracting, to finance, to build, to rework, to launch and so on. The only way you could track that was not just through contract number, which was the paper trail, but through the rocket tail number, which was the physical object being built. Of course, with 125 source systems, we had 125 different values for that business key called rocket tail number or rocket number, but it was all the same rocket. So at the end of the day, in order to show a cohesive path through the business process, we needed to understand the taxonomy of how rocket tail numbers worked in the business and tied that data to the business processes themselves. And that's one of the things that I want to say. And then I want to say this as well. In terms of Data Vault, CDVP2, Certified Data Vault 2.0 Practitioner, we specifically name it Practitioner because it isn't just data modeling. It's all the things you need to know to build a data vault solution properly. So we do cover agile ways of working. We do cover risk and mitigation strategies. We do cover business keys and some introductory to taxonomies and ontologies. And there's a lot there. But to be a practitioner is more about the people, the process, and the technology than it is about just the modeling components. So I hope we've dispelled any of the fallacies or some of the incorrect thinking uh, that you see out there on the web during this podcast. And I hope we provided a lot of useful information to you about how Data Vault is a solution for your business. I'm Dan Linstead, and uh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'm Sanjay Pandey. And in the next podcast, I'd like us to talk about some of the new emerging technologies and how we can leverage the capabilities of it. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Take care. <laughs>